Yes. We're at the table now, so maybe our sound will be more consistent since we're like forced to sit a certain distance from the microphone. And perhaps it'll be a little more polite. You'll be more polite because you're at the Perhaps table? Perhaps you'll be a little more polite. Me? Now that we're coming to the table. I've been nothing you know? but polite. Mm. I have great table manners, mm. so. I feel like I'm often lampooned on this show. You know, my knowledge is questioned. I'm quizzed. You're never quizzed on Do You Remember, you know? Well, when you finally put your episode out, you can ask me. Hmm. Mm. Comment retracted. Okay. Very well. Very Sounds well. Good. Well, welcome to the second Christmas special. That's right, people. I think this is going to be part two out of three of the Christmas spectacular. Yeah. Oh, see, you, you, you heard it here. You heard it here. It was not a Halloween special. It wasn't even a non. Oh. It wasn't. Well, it, I retract. My it wasn't even a non-denominational <laughs> winter solstice special or whatever that was. It's this I'm putting as the second Christmas special. That's right. The first the second. Second holiday special. Oh, holy night. <laughs> <laughs> the second holiday special. The first non-denominational holiday special. No, no, no. The non-denominational holiday special was last week. This is the Christmas special. Then, 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 then we can have the Hanukkah. About this. Then we can have the Hanukkah special in February. There's nothing Hanukkah about the next one. Either. Well, you know. Well, maybe we'll. The next one is very Christmas themed. So. Fucking serious. Well, not Christmas, but. Holiday themed? You'll see. Okay. Yeah, it's very holiday themed. In fact, it's all about the holiday. The Christmas holiday? The holiday? The, You'll see. The President's see. Day? Um, Memorial Day? Veterans Day? Who knows? Did I tell you that one time where it was 9-11 and, we were, and our school-wide was doing like a moment of silence and I thought it was National Log Cabin Day, a.k.a. Abraham Lincoln's birthday, and I burst out in applause for 9-11, you know? Wow. Keep you going. were this alive was, and like conscient, like sentient when 9-11 Oh, this was like 2002 or 2003. This was fresh shit. How right did you pain. not know like the significance of 9-11? Well, cause remember in, remember in like uh, elementary school, they give you these sick planners, you know, um, yes. that like kind of had the holidays on. Those, they need to give you those. Like jobs should give you those. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree. I um, loved getting my, like my planner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, I was looking the wrong month. Yeah. That's a big, big oops. Yeah, 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 yeah. When is National Log Cabin Day supposed to be? Let's see. How wrong... Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. How, how many months off How wrong was Forrest? National Log Cabin Day. Is that even a real holiday? Let's I mean, see. every day is a certain X day. I do love National Drink Beer Day. Love Lo- National Dog Day. Love National Margarita Day. You know what? Love 420. You know what? We're, we're doing a an official... Forrest was off base moment. Six, six or seven year old Forrest was off, off base. base. National Log Cabin Day. And I remember this specifically. Like, I remember this like deep in my mind that I thought it was National Log Cabin Day. Okay. It was June 30th. <laughs> okay, that's pretty bad. That's yeah. pretty far off. Yeah. Did you think it was Log Cabin Day 2021 or Log Cabin Day 2022? You mean 2001, 2002? Yes. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was definitely post 9-11, hence the fact that people didn't appreciate my applause, you know? That's yeah. tough. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you win some, you lose some. You know, I, now people might think it's kind of funny. You know, I have a fun 9-11 uh, story for you, actually. Oh, God. Um, Another one. Two of them, actually. Okay. Oh, boy. First of all, all right. First, uh, you had a lot of eventful September 11th. Yeah, exactly. So first uh, September 11th. Well, September 11th or September 11th related uh, story. First one. All right. So I had a friend in uh, elementary school named named uh, 
Tyler, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, we were friends and he came over a couple, to the house a couple times and then, and then we weren't in the same class anymore. I just kind of forgot about him. That's kind of how, you know. If you are in the same class with like your BFF from third grade, you will not be friends in fourth yeah, grade. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so this guy would come over to the house and he was new to Atlanta is when he lived in Atlanta. My parent mm-hmm. and my mom, God, good thing she doesn't listen to this podcast. She doesn't have Spotify or like a phone that works. So anyway, she uh, asked Tyler, oh, where'd y'all, where'd y'all move from? And he said, uh, New York. And then my mom, oh, no. clearly making a 9-11 reference, was like, well, good thing you got out of there. <laughs> oh, no. Hopefully his like, family was like from a long line of firefighters she, or first responders. She meant it in the nicest way. Yeah, my mom. No. But he's just like, I, I can still think about just how like... <laughs> yeah, yeah well, and, and I didn't even realize like how like silly of a comment that was until like I was thinking you know it popped in my head like you know years ago I was like oh shit <laughs> it would have been like, really funny if she was referencing like SantaCon or something yeah no it was 9-11 you know good thing yeah good thing you weren't in town good thing you skipped town for that one you know um all right that's that's good 9-11 that's story 9-11 story part two all right, all right. This was this was like 9/11 was fresh 9/11 happened probably happened like a few weeks ago when this one happened and I remember we had a school assembly <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't imagine the assemblies that happened after 9 11. I know. It was, wow. I don't really remember. Were you guys much just like caged in the auditorium for like three weeks? Well, I remember it was like a community sort of like assembly. Like our parents were invited oh, wow. and like everyone showed up okay. to like, I'm sorry. And you know, I was young, but it's vague. But I remember we're all in this thing in this um, auditorium. And I think they're just kind of like talking about stuff and, and just like probably like saying like the importance of community and like you know don't come okay. after people who look blah, different blah. than you stuff like that you know that sort yeah. of stuff but then i remember well. then it turned into a musical the the yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's amazing so anyway i they started like performing some like who? songs like your principal or I, like i don't who? remember who if it was, this, or was it a flash mob i don't remember look it wasn't like a musical musical but it was like started people started singing songs people would be like like and now such and such come up to come up and like perform xyz and i remember i don't know if it was a teacher well, was or a parent else. but just some dude just one dude comes up and starts singing the lee greenwood song like god bless the usa and i just have this memory in my head of just this one random dad like on this stage being like and they can't take that away because i'm proud to be an american at least i knew i'm free <laughs> just like <laughs> we're all in the crowd and yeah, yeah i mean it's i don't know 9 fresh and we're all kind of like into it but now i'm looking back i'm like Whoa, what would I give for a video of that? that yeah, you know? that's pretty wild. Yeah, so that's my other good 9-11 story was just this one man's, like, epic solo. You know, I remember the guy was a good singer, too. You I mean, know? yeah. I mean, you're going up in front of an auditorium <laughs> full of people who are grieving, you know. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, 2001 was the year of Survivor by Destiny's Child. Okay, well... When when did that Lee Greenwood song come out? Because was that like was that some four nine eleven? God, there was a like there's really? a country bar in Lacrosse. Oh, I put down the eighties. Oh, really? Oh, but I, yeah, there I mean, was a bar Broncos in Lacrosse would play that all the freaking time once a night. Yeah, and you really you know the rednecks would just be screaming. Yeah. Well, anyway, this has been the nine eleven segment of yeah, the Christmas is, special. Yes, we are. You know, sorry, I'm trying to find what the number one song of two thousand one was. Number one was Hanging by a Moon by Lighthouse. I don't even know that song. I'm just going to skip to like midway through. All right. Skip to the chorus. This is a good one. That's the number one on the Billboard magazine's hot top 100 songs 2001. Hanging by a moment. Wow. I was one. Yeah. 
Some of us were listening to... Actually, it might have been two. Some of us were going to cool assemblies, you know, some with our family. Really? You know? yeah. Some of us were going to school like a bunch of nerds. Yeah. I was still pooping in my pants. Mm-hmm. Well, some of us were doing both. Right? <laughs> all, right. all right, so... All right. Okay. Done with 9-11 talk. Done with 9-11. Whoa, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Glad to contribute. So, this news story I specifically picked because I figured, you know, it hits a little close to home, but... A California resident was sworn in after taking the bar at age of 17. Whoa. I know. How does that make you feel? Wow, that's fucking nerd. You know? right. That's what A I California kid was, was, was sworn in at, at 17? Yeah. Is that even well, he might have. He passed the bar, I think, at 17, but he got sworn in maybe at 18, because I think there might have been, like, you have to be 18 to, like, practice. But apparently a man named Peter Park, which is very close to Peter Parker... Uh, began high school at Oxford Academy in California in 2019 at the age of 13 and began a four-year Juris Doctor program at Northwestern California University School of Law after completing college-level proficiency exams. Wait, what law school did he go to? Northwestern California University School of Law. Hmm. So it might be a little obscure, but hmm. he is now a law clerk in Visalia, whatever, California, and was not the youngest person to ever pass the exam. His name is Peter Park, which Peter Parker, Spider-Man, who will also remember, who is very intelligent. Parker? Coincidence? I, think I don't even know her. Right. Um, All right. So, uh, no, California is a weird state because, so in most states you can't do that. You can't just like, well, I mean, I guess he went to law. Did he start law school at 14? I don't even understand. He, uh, it sounds like he graduated high school really early. And then he was doing like some sort of dual thing where he passed his college exams because do you need a college degree to go to law school? Uh, so he must have been taking like mixed yeah, courses. Yeah, I think, I think or you something? have to have a bachelor's. Before, I think you do. I don't know because it's a. This guy's also speed running through these, and and, and I'm not going to say that like a law degree from like a small unknown school is yeah. a bad idea. First, I mean, he's not graduating I mean, from like Harvard or whatever. Well, I mean, he probably has a lot less debt than I do. Um, yeah. But um, uh, this guy does seem like he's speed running that you know you know this shit with like weird like weirdly low credentialed options you know like you know passes college entrance exams you know then um goes to i mean he could probably go back to school for some other big it sounds like this person is wildly intelligent no matter what yeah no and like the california bar is like really fucking hard too it has like one yeah it has like one of the lowest um pass rates um but yeah anyway what i was saying was it's one of the few states that you don't have to i mean most states you have to go to an aba accredited law school to take their bar like the vast majority of states, you have to do that. It's like, you know, um, but California's one of you. Can't just like walk in and be like, I'm ready to take this. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean most, um, yeah, California's the only one where you can. I think um, I'm just guessing you would probably have to have like an un, like a bachelor's degree or have attended some four year school or maybe maybe not. Maybe just pass the bar and be a lawyer. I don't so know. maybe well, if he graduated, we're really just speculating now. If he graduated high school at 13, maybe he got his undergrad degree and like was taking like whatever any classes that he needed to take yeah. on the side since he didn't have to go to law school he maybe just was like dual enrolled and then just took i just don't understand why i do it all so fast when being a, being a lawyer fucking sucks like why would you want to start early you know to start real early yeah but yeah that hmm. was all i just wanted to hear what you had to say about it no i mean you're being kind of cool you know um it just sounds like a horrible thing to do at 17 like at 17 i just wanted to like you know play soccer yeah that's it yeah no yeah this wow. kid's out here taking the bar exam yeah um any other um spicy news you know um a group of scientists designed mini vr headsets for mice for the purpose of examining them while they're in a simulation of being attacked by a hawk. oh those 
That's awful. Yes. So... Those poor terrified mice. The miniature rodent stereo illumination VR is... That's a really long name. Is made to help mice, quote, engage with the environment in a more natural way. I don't feel like that's natural at all. I feel like that's the least natural way possible. No, yeah. Um, so researchers project like a dark expanding disc on like the top of their goggles, like in their periphery, which is to stimulate, like mimic a predator coming from above them. And mice either run faster on the treadmill or they freeze up. Interesting. So these goggles can simplify laboratory setups and fall and allow new insights into how the human brain adapts and reacts to repeated VR exposure. So hmm. it also sounds like they're going to just strap these goggles onto these mice and see how much their brain just melts, which is really sad. Yeah. Hmm. But oh, that that's was another, interesting. another dark corridor of, of, of science. I did. Know? I thought it was silly that like that's, you know, they give these mice these they don't even let them like see a big cheese castle they just give them like hawk attacks mm-hmm. well that was kind of a bummer that was more sad mm-hmm. than i thought it was it was, mm-hmm. it was more like kind of it was less sad when i was just reading it on my computer yeah well we you know that was all the news i had do you have any news what's well, new what have you see. heard anything from e-news lately well yeah i think uh, as i was mentioning the other, the other night turns out matthew perry died from acute ketamine overdose rather than drowning in his hot tub Righteous. which makes more sense as a concluding chapter for party god uh matthew perry yep. um, r.i.p matthew perry matthew perry didn't make any sense when he, who also who drowned in a hot tub i mean i'm sure it's happened r.i.p i feel like, like usually people who drown in a hot tub do have some sort of substance in them yeah yeah you usually, know you know um, but he died from the ketamine before he drowned. Also, just um, just another like, and I love Matthew Perry. Just another like episode of him being kind of a dick. Um, also, you know, R.I.P. Love Matthew Perry. But um, it they also kind of like <laughs> showed in his autobiography how he like been, been like yeah the one th- one of those ones I just would never mess with is ketamine. You know. Um, and I, th- I think it's just kind of indicative that he just he w- was in fact messing with Kenny. Yeah, <laughs> he was, you know, in the K hole, yeah. as the as the teens say. Yeah. Um, other who was you- um? Oh. Who was the guy that plays Santa that just came out that he's a huge douche on set? Um, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. But like, is he in Last Man Standing too? What's that? Last Man Standing. Yeah, yeah. That show looked horrible. It was horrible, actually. I think I did see an episode or two. You know, I've never watched it. Um, but um, no, Tim Allen's good. I mean, every, I, I will say, I'm sure there's, a, I'm sure there's more often than not, very popular Hollywood actors are huge like dicks. You know, yeah. but it's like I feel like there's more than not. Like, how many politicians are like, are like easy, nice people to work with? You know, I feel like in general, anyone who really wants to be in the spotlight is usually kind of a pet case. I also feel like being like a Hollywood star is like, and like I, I know I'm, I'm going to go there. I feel like it's actually a kind of a tough lifestyle. I no, feel like I bet you're, it is tough. I feel like you're very busy. Like you're, you've never got privacy. You know, yeah. like okay, but also this is Tim Allen. It's not like Rihanna. I don't know, Tim like, Allen in the 90s. He is popular, was yes, but like, he's like incre- a frumpy, yeah. like, dad figure, you know? Yeah. How many people are, like, chasing after him, like the paparazzi? I think it's just, I think it's like being a Hollywood star is like, I think that's like, I, I mean, I mean, I think Tim Allen in the 90s was like, I mean, he was like definitely like an A-plus list, yeah. like, actor. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah, so yeah, I, I you know. But also in the 90s versus, like, now. Like, Tim Allen now, you don't need to be a dick anymore. Well, they were talking about sort of him being a dick. Like, oh, like back then. Back when he was doing yeah, like the, the same. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, no, I'm, I'm sure agree. he is a dick, but I feel like most, like, I doubt many, like, uber stars yeah. are, like, 
very easy to work with. I'm oh, sure yeah. there's a lot of stores people like snapping and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you know so. Um, it's just their unbridled talent. Yeah. Chevy Chase is apparently a huge douche. Um, kind of believe that one. Like, what's his name from Notting Hill? I always forget his name. No. Well, you, you know, Hugh, Hugh Grant. Hugh, no, no, no. That's Hugh not, Grant owns it though. You know, yeah, but yeah, that's, <laughs> not, that's not being a dick. That's just keeping it real. You yeah, know? Yeah, like, like, like so many people these days are super sassy and like and instead of being able to call them a dick in like today's culture like oh they just keep it real though you know they're just you know they just are who they are you know and I feel like Hugh Grant just you know he just keeps it real He's you know real. yeah yeah you know yeah yeah so I don't know so well, at least he's not a player hater who's a player hater name your top player hater right now AJ AJ god <laughs> damn it that was, that was gonna be mine I'm gonna have to skip it man that, God, that lady has said so many things that really, uh, really stuck with me, you know, like an uncomfortable way. Just I actually unsettling. don't think AJ's a player hater, but I just... I... Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you took mine, so that's great. She, um, she hasn't said anything horrible to you. What? <laughs> Not no reason. Nothing I can repeat on this show, you know? <laughs> yeah, jeez, you know. Has AJ come... Well, how, how has AJ come after you recently? What? Oh, I mean, she's she's broken me down like like a like the you know MK Ultra like psychological experiments oh, you know just totally you know you re- redefine my self worth you know. AJ doses people with acid. That's yeah. Horrible thing. No. AJ is the worst. Um, just kidding, AJ. You're yeah. the most beloved fan of this podcast. AJ is a okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you're gonna have to see her in like three days, so you better, you know. I know, I know. Better not change your, you better change up. your opinion. Yeah. Fast. Well, you know, I'm just getting ready for the hate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> for the ultimate, you know. Well, I mean, I'm just showing. I'm, well, I'm just, just showing up to the player haters ball, you know. Um, number one. AJ and Prince, big player haters. Yeah. Well, the, the number one uh, player hater, like the player hater Jesus, is um, this guy named Perez Hilton. Yes. He was a legendary a blogger. Yes. Um, See, and I also always thought when people were talking about Perez Hilton, I thought they were just saying Paris Hilton, but like with a weird twist. No, no. It was like Paris no, Hilton would never say those um, things. I feel like Perez Hilton's actually probably not that big of a jerk, you know? No, I mean, he's like one of those people that are on, like, you know, write gossip blogs. You know? Yeah, He just yeah. has to make things up to say. Yeah, that, 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 that's what people wanted, you know? He, no uh, no yeah. one was stirring the pot. He said, hand me the spoon. But yeah, but, it's like, but he was the number one player hater. Yeah, you know? so anyway, he was. Anyway. I'm trying to think. Joe Buck, player hater. Do you know? That guy. I feel like you, I feel like you <laughs> say, I mean, I, I mean, okay. Full disclosure, I couldn't pick Joe Buck out of a lineup, so I'm not like, oh, you know. I know. If not, I saw him at the Kroger, oh, I'd no, see his car. I know he's the thinner one with the glass. He's, 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 he's like Troy Aikman, but he just got like wandered out of a desert after being starved for a long time. He's like a thinner Troy Aikman with glasses. No, Joe Buck looks like my dad's old manager. Like he looks like he works thanks in for the Thanks for the, yeah, the audience thanks you for that <laughs> description. My dad will know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't think I don't think Joe Buck played football, and he looks like he has didn't play football. Well, Chris Collinsworth didn't play football well. What, what, so what's your problem with Joe Buck? Why do you hate him? He doesn't like the Packers. What? He's biased. He's a biased reporter. No. Oh. Well, where, 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 where are you getting? When, when did he? What Packers game did you years watch? Years and years of exposure. Babe, you do not understand. I'm sure there's commentators out there that have talked shit about LSU, and you hate when they come on the TV. Uh, Gary Danielson's actually like a known cock. 
and he's he's CBS Sports. If you ask people in Wisconsin, they will tell you Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They start, you know, commentating, announcing a game, whatever. Ugh, terrible game. I did just Google, and there's some literature about Packers fans versus Joe Buck. Yeah, see? Uh, Gary Gary Danielson is a commentator for CBS Sports, and... Yo, actually, that guy sucks, um, and I can't wait for him to um, uh, leave. Uh, uh, I think actually the SEC's contract the, with CBS is about to run out. So the finally, earthly plane. Yeah, I, was, uh, I can't wait for him to die. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyway, okay. also Joe Buck announced baseball. He did not, you know, play football. You heard it here first. Um, okay. So, Joe Buck, if you're listening to this, we got beef. God, 9-11, people, don't, people we don't like. Let's make this Christmas episode even more, uh, you know, <laughs> making this special. Angry. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Well, we are going to talk about the super festive, not festive, incident of the Dyatlov Pass incident. And before we get too far into this, we're going to look up how to pronounce it because this is a new segment of the show where we actually pronounce things correctly. Mm. This is what Google says. Diet Love Pass. Diet Love. All right, I already pronounced Diet Love. Okay, got it. Hmm. We were doing the Diet Love Pass incident. But what are like, what do the programmers in Palo Alto know? Like what, like a, like a Russian village or, you know, how they pronounce it, you know? I don't really trust these whole Google pronounce things. I trust them more than like my reading ability. I just don't care how people in San Francisco pronounce things, okay? You're right. We shouldn't let them tell us how to say things. If I say it's... Cutter instead of Qatar. I don't care what that lady, Siri, whoever this, whoever you know, this shy lady is. is, I don't care how she pronounces yeah, it. Right. You know, if I want to say bag and not bag, yeah, yeah. See, so do don't you, tell me how to say. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, you know, right. I, exactly. Like you know, frankly, if you punch that in, they should be saying like, yeah, in the Midwest, it's bag. In other places, it's bag. You know, but yeah. instead, it's just where I'm from in my cool office in Menlo Park, California. This is how we pronounce it while we're doing. This is how what I say do. when I go to pickleball. Yeah, pickleball. Bag. Bag. Ladies, wrong. I don't. Yeah, I don't hear that. Whatever. Okay. Anyway. Diet Love Pass. Diet Love Pass. All right. So, our story starts when a group of hikers from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, led by Igor Dyatlov, Dyatlov, went for a hike in the northern Ural Mountains in 1959, which is pretty, the mountain range that divides. Huge coincidence that Igor Dyatlov was marching through Diet Love Pass, I wouldn't you say? That'd be oddly convenient, wouldn't you say? Well, you're rubbing your chin. Continue. I want the audience to know that Forrest is stroking his chin. Continue. All right. So the group was formed for a like cross-country skiing slash hiking expedition across the area that was going to take three weeks. Our main man, Igor, the leader, was a 23-year-old radio engineering student. The group consisted of 10 students, eight men with two women, who are also experienced grade two hikers and cross-country skiers. So this is a situation where they do both. I never really got a straight answer on what they were doing, but they were skiing and they were hiking. Mm-hmm. So I guess, whatever. Maybe cross-country skiing does involve hiking when you like really got to go up a hill, I would assume. 
Yeah. They would be receiving their grade three certification upon their return, which is the highest certification given in the Soviet Union at the time. Wow. So this, I guess, requires candidates to travel 300 kilometers. Cool. So I guess, I don't, I, does the U.S. hand out like rankings for hikers? I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe, you know. This is this is this is this is a while ago back when like you know military involvement or like you know there was more just like civilian preparedness That's going true. on you That's know true. yeah. Um. So this group's goal was to reach Ortorten, a mountain, and the route was approved by the city commission. The mountain's name was me said to mean "Don't go there" in the language of the Mansi, which are the indigenous reindeer herders of the area. So the area historically housed a network of prison camps for the Gulag system. The camps. Um, in the North Urals, known as the Ivandleg. I'm going to pronounce a lot of Russian words wrong here. So be prepared. If you have any problems, email AJ. AJ. Yeah. I don't know her email, but I'm guessing you can figure it out. AJ at... Gmail.com. AJ at AOL Hotmail. Angrylife.com. <laughs> Playerhater.org. Yeah, yeah. Playerhater.org. Uh, yes, yeah. so they were known as the Avindeleg. They housed 30,000 inmates who were forced to build roads, cut and process timber, and labor in factories at the time. So that was before, I guess. I don't, I don't really understand a lot about the gulag system, but they just seem like prison camps. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you're bad, you go to the gulag, you know? I think it was like a more intense form of jail. Yeah. You know? In the Soviet Union. Yeah. In the 19, from the 1920s to the mid-50s. I so, don't think it was supposed to be pleasant. No. Yeah. I heard it's horrible. Yeah. From reading these articles. Yeah. Anyway, the group departed on January 27th of 1959 towards Gora or Torton. Yuri Yudin, a 21-year-old member, turned back. There's a lot of names in this. Don't ex- I don't expect you to remember them all, but there will be a test at the end. Mm. All right. I have them color-coded, but you can't see that. That's right. So, on. a 21-year-old Yuri, a 21-year-old member, okay. turned back on January 28th due to a knee and joint pain. The remaining nine hikers continued on their journey. Yuri, first one out. Get out of there. On January 31st, the group arrived at the edge of a highland area and prepared for climbing. They cached um, surplus food and equipment for the trip back in a wooded area. On February 1st, the group began to move through the pass and planned to rest on the other side. The weather took a turn at this point and the group diverted west, losing their path and heading toward a different mountain. They seemed to have realized their mistake and set up on like the slope of this mountain, which is called Kolat Sayakal. Quetzalcoatl, continue. Sure. Rather than travel 1.5 miles downhill to the forest where they would be sheltered from the weather. So at this point... They're a little turned around, but they kind of know where they're at, but they're camping up on the side of this mountain in a pretty exposed area. A British reporter was told by his guides that Kolat Sakail means mountain of death. Whether this was named before or after the incident is unknown. It does sound a lot like Quetzalcoatl, which I believe is like an Aztec god of doom. Just, well, I don't really think these two naming it. conventions have... A lot of things in common. Well, welcome to the Player Haters Club. AJ's got some competition. Oh, hmm. yeah. Quetzalcoatl was an Aztec and Mayan crater god. Oh, I think he was a good guy. Mm. All right, whatever. So, before departing on their journey, Igor Dyatlov agreed to send a telegram to their sports club after the hike was finished no later than February 12th. When Yuri left the group, he told the people, you know, that they knew that it would most likely be later than anticipated. Okay. So they were kind of planning for these people to get back quite a ways 
Koto Aphrodite. So February 12th passed and there's no messages received. No one was really worried at first as there was like a delay of a few days was common. On February 20th, relatives demanded a rescue operation and the Institute sent the first rescue groups of volunteer students and teachers. The army and militia, which I guess are the police, forces got involved later with planes and helicopters. On February 26th, searchers found an abandoned and damaged tent on the Kolat Sikail, maybe? Seagull? The mountain. <laughs> the student volunteer found the tent stated, the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and all the group's belonging and shoes had been left behind. So that was pretty peculiar. Investigators soon discovered- Shoeless Joe Johnson. Shoeless. Joe Johnson. They're just poo bearing out there. Investigators soon discovered that the tent had been cut open from the inside. The tent held all the group's supplies, blankets, lined up rucksacks, uh, boots, food, and a little bit of booze. So they left the booze behind, so something horrible happened. Mm -hmm. A sliced up plate of salo, a Slavic delicacy, delicacy of white pork fat, was plated as if they were like, about to eat it. Like it was set out, like a steaming cup of coffee. So nine sets of footprints, most in socks, one shoe, or barefoot, could be followed. And after about 500 meters, these tracks were covered in snow. So searchers found remains of a small fire at the forest edge. So like kind of down the tree or down the slope from mm -hmm. where the tent was at the forest edge under a large pine. Here they discovered the first two bodies, those of Corinno, oh, no, Corinvon Isheko and Doro Shineko on February 27th. I'm really just going to not probably use these names. Because I'm pronouncing them very wrong. Anyway. Oh, you're doing great. They were shoeless and only wearing underwear. Branches in the tree were broken <laughs> up to five meters. That's, first of all, that's called Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nothing but sneakers. <laughs> wait, 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 do they have shoes on? Shoeless. Only wearing underwear. That's the Or SpongeBob's corp. Actually, SpongeBob has shoes. That's called Donnie the Wild Man from Wild Thornberries. All right. Sonic the Hedgehog That's is where, called is, baby. Sonic the Hedgehog is where you... Uh, um, is, naked is, is but it, shoes. Well, naked, but you're wearing running shoes. Yeah. You know, or, and or have underwear if you want to keep things appropriate. But yeah, that's Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, that's not authentic, though. Well, yeah, that's true. Anyway. Um, branches were broken in the tree, which suggests that they had tried to climb up said tree. Between the pine and the camp, searchers found three more bodies, those of Dyatlov, Kolmogorova, and Slobondin. They were spaced at 300 meters, 480 meters, and 630 meters from the tree, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. So two bodies found at the tree, and then there's some bodies like sporadically like placed going back towards the tent. Mm -hmm. Igor Dyatlov was found dressed but shoeless, lying face down, hugging a branch in the snow. Klomogorova was positioned nearby, seeming to have been trying to scramble uphill towards the tent. In Slomboden was found March 5th with a fractured skull. He had more clothes on than the previous men, including two pairs of pants and four pairs of socks. And his watch had stopped at 8.45 a.m. most likely. Hmm. Spooky. So the remaining four individuals were not found for another two months. Hmm. So they were found on May 4th under four meters of snow in a ravine about 75 meters, which is 246 feet, into the woods from the pine tree. So they were even further from the tent. Hmm. Three quarters of them, so three out of the four, I don't know why I used a fraction, were dressed better than the others, suggesting that they may have removed clothing from the deceased people and put it on. The investigation began immediately after the first five bodies were found. The medical exam, which is like the ones that were found 
before these ones in May, obviously. The medical examination concluded that they had all died of hypothermia since no other injuries were found that could have led to the cause of death, which is confusing because they said they found that Slobin with a fractured skull, hmm. but it was just, it was not a fatal wound. So after the final four bodies were found in May, the investigation got a bit cloudier. So three out of these body four bodies had fatal injuries. So a person with the last name three Thibiobrignoles, maybe, I'm really, these are really, really bad, had a major <laughs> skull damage, and Dubinia and Kolitarov had major chest fractures. Hmm. Uh, this Kolitarov had an oddly twisted neck and a wound behind his ear as well. Hmm. The force required to create this damage would have been comparable to a car crash. However, none of these bodies had external wounds associated with their bone fractures. All four bodies were found at the bottom of a creek and had soft tissue damage to their head and face. So Dubinia was missing her tongue, eyes, part of the lips, as well as facial tissue in a, frag a fragment of skull bone. She was discovered with an open wound on the side of her head, exposing her skull. So she was pretty beat up. Um, Zolo Tarav was missing his eyeballs and Kola Tarav was missing his eyebrows. And it was judged Ooh. that these occurred possibly post-mortem due to the positioning in the stream. So maybe mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, wear yeah. and tear. Um, the theories as to what happened to the group began to arise quickly after these were found, since they were much more, like, brutal than the first bodies found. The indigenous Manzi people, the reindeer herders, were suspected to have attacked the group for trespassing on their lands. However, several Manzi were interrogated, but the evidence did not support their theory, their theory, and there was no sign of struggle in the snow, so that supported that anyone really attacked them, and these Manzi people are very peaceful. So more suspicious facts came to light soon after this. The victims were dressed only partially, even though the temperatures were uh, very low at 25, negative 25 to negative 30 Celsius, which is about negative 13 to negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Six of the individuals died of hypothermia. Three died of fatal injuries. There were no indications of other people on the mountain besides the group of nine. The group had left camp on their own accord without other people because they could, like, see their footprints, you know, and everything. Their tent was ripped open from within. The victims died six to eight hours after their last meal. Some levels of radiation were found on victims' clothing. Release documents contained no information on the condition of the skier's internal organs, and there are no survivors. Hmm. So, with all this information, people were very suspicious. At the time, officials concluded that the group died because of a compelling natural force, which I do not know what that means. Wait, what was it? A compelling natural force. A compelling natural force? That's what they put on their cause of death. Oh, really? So yes. that could be anything from that like a like nuclear bomb to a like, like a, a strong gust of wind. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't a know. bear. A bear is a, a strong bear. natural is, force. Yeah, compelling you know. for sure. The case was closed and the inquest officially ceased in May of 1959 due to the absence of a guilty party and the files were sent to a secret archive. Mm. An attendee to five of the individual's funerals recalled that they had skin that was a deep brown tan. So he said that the group, a lot of the members of the group had like oddly discolored skin. Hmm. Years later, another group of hikers who were about 31 miles south of the incident at the time reported they saw strange orange spheres in the sky to the north at the time of the incident. And similar sightings were reported in nearby areas from February to March of 1959. Hmm. So people were seeing balls in the air. Hmm. Mm -hmm. 
1997, it was revealed that an investigator kept the negatives from one of the members' cameras in their private archives, and the diaries of the hiking party went public in 2009. So things have been slowly coming out about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the book, The Price of State Secrets is Nine Lives, was released in 1990 and immediately received criticism for its speculation on a Soviet secret weapons experiment. However, the book led to public discussion, notably from a former police officer who led the official inquest in 1959. So, Nikitich published an article... Nikitich. In 1990, admitting that the investigation had no rational explanation for the incident and that his team had reported seeing flying spheres, and then he received direct orders from a high-ranking official to dismiss this claim. Whoa. So this book pretty much just, like, brought public discussion out, and this guy came out and said, like, you know, a higher-up told us to shush-shush. Hmm. In 2018, Zola Tarov's remains were exhumed, so a member of the party's remains were exhumed, and an expert stated that the character of the injuries resembled a person hit by a car found to have major, like, chest injuries at the time of death. But the DNA did not match those of living relatives, and Zola Tarov's name was not listed as, um, like, with those that were buried in the cemetery. Hmm. So, facial reconstruction from the skull that they exhumed matched images of Zolo Tarab at the time, though some are suspicious that another person was hiding under his name after World War II. Uh So they think that, you know, maybe there's an identity mystery going on there. I see. In 2019, Russian... That further complicates things. Yes, that is very (laughs) tricky. In 2019, Russian authorities reopened the investigation to three considerations. An avalanche, a slab avalanche, or a hurricane. Hmm. A, a hurricane? A hurricane. So deputy head of the... I don't think so. Well, do you? are you a meteorologist? Just never heard of a... Like, An it, inland hurricane? Yeah, yeah. I'll believe yeah. yeah. I'll believe in your mountain hurricane when you show me like a mountain seagull. I don't know. I don't know. They get confused sometimes. So do hurricanes, I suppose? Maybe. All right, continue. So in 2019, yes, they, whatever, reopened the thing. The deputy head of the Earl's... Is it Ural Mountains or Earl? I think it's a Ural. I think it's Earl. Earl? Ural. Like E-A-R-L? Ural. Ural. Yeah. Urals. I don't know. Don't do it. Ural Mountain. Ural. Ural. Like think of mm. the Y. The Ural Mountains, uh, Federal District Directorate of the Prosecutor General's Office, what a crazy title, yeah. announced that an avalanche was the official cause of death for the Dyatlov group on July 11th, 2020. So this was pretty recent. An independent computer stimulation simulation and analysis by Swiss researchers support this theory that it was an avalanche. There are pieces of contradictory evidence throughout this theory, though. The location did not have any obvious signs of avalanche. Over 100 expeditions have been led in the region since the incident, and none have ever reported conditions that would produce an avalanche. A study using terrain-related physics found that an avalanche could occur in April or May when the snow was melting, but it would be very unlikely in February when it was still very cold. A team of researchers used a lot of fancy tech to make remake the avalanche, which apparently occurred at a slope of 26 degrees, whereas an avalanche below 30 degrees is very rare. So hmm. I guess like the slope just wasn't steep enough that where avalanches usually would happen. Hmm. The group's footprints were also those of people walking at a normal pace, not running to escape a mountain of snow coming at them. The explanation as to why the group was barely clothed was that the avalanche struck while the group was changing. Hmm. So they were 
quick enough to get out of their tent and cut out their tent, but then they walked, which is very confusing. Isn't, like, isn't the tent like still standing? Well, yeah, it was. Standing, it like... was just like kind of knocked over, but it it seemed like it wasn't knocked over enough that they would like oh an avalanche happened. I guess yeah. I guess I'm thinking like if you if you have like chest cavity industries that like basically were like indicative of, of like a car crash. Yeah. You'd think. I mean, I don't know. Just off the top of my head, I just feel like that's enough to knock their tent over or like knock yeah. their tent loose. You know, I mean, maybe they got really staked in, but like yeah. Also, also if it's an avalanche, it's like. Unless their tent stakes are like absurdly deep, like wouldn't the yeah. snow just shift the tent? Or you know? this is purely, you know, me making stuff up. But like, they have pictures of the tent, like when they found it, mm-hmm. and there's like a little bit of snow on it. But the rescue team quickly like spotted their tent, like it wasn't covered in snow, like it was knocked over. Yeah. But like, doesn't an avalanche kind of like bury things along yeah. the way? Like yeah. the tent wasn't buried; yeah. it was still like poking out of the snow. Yeah. I don't know how avalanche works, but. From what I've seen in movies, I feel yeah. I don't know. I feel like you would uh, feel the more like documented destruction of the, uh, you know, and the fact that like they haven't really like even seen an avalanche in the area like since then. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be you know they have like avalanches happen in similar areas like all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, another idea is that wind was the problem. A Swedish-Russian expedition at the site proposed a violent catabatic wind, which is also called a fall wind, which is a wind that carries high-density air from a higher elevation down the slope under the force of gravity, a real thing, which can reach hurricane speeds even though most are usually only around 12 miles per hour. Yeah, this is like worse than like weather balloons or yes. like stuff, you know, or like uh, what are the, yeah, weather balloons being like yeah. Well, that's, I was like reading that. this and I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then there was like average... It's usually 12 miles per hour. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a similar event happened in Sweden in 1978 and killed eight hikers at a similar topography to that of the Dialov Pass. But Donnie Erick's 2013 book, Dead Mountain, popularized this theory of infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks. Mm. So this also has to do with wind. So wind ground around the mountain created a Karaman vortex street which is a pattern of swirlies and vortices in fluid dynamics. I watched a video. I don't understand it. (laughs) The hikers fled their tent down the slope where they were out of the infrasound's range, and then they were, like, disoriented and couldn't return. So they think that, like, these wild winds that were going on created this frequency that, like, pretty much drove them a little bit, like, bonkers for a second. Yeah. Um, I've I've heard of that one. That one kind of sounds appealing, but then, like... How do you have some of your, like, your injuries? Are, are you like sprinting yeah. away in disoriented terror and you like hit a tree? tree but you then know? you have marks on you. Yeah. And I guess maybe there are examples of this and I just didn't find them. But like there weren't other like examples of this happening. Yeah. Well, if it's, if it's infrasound, I like I've kind of thought of the whole infrasound thing before for this. And I feel like if if it's infrasound, it's not natural. It's like a military experiment, mm-hmm. which, you it's know. Like- man-made which had started i think just a couple years earlier like i think in world war one was like, the first time they started like experimenting oh, with infrastructure which like i think it started in like france um um so it could have been like a new thing but i don't know it seems weird to like experiment on like random people but like yeah oh. yeah i don't know could also could have been aliens. You know? What else? Yeah. So Lucy Ash in yeah. a BBC article details how she was corrected by an area warden while in the mountain that Mount Ortorton does not mean don't go there. Rather, it means mountain with swirling winds. Uh-huh. So this could be a common mistranslation or someone did it on purpose to spur fear. Mm. But according to like a local person, this is a windy place. Mm. 
So others speculate that Soviet parachute mine military tests caused the deaths. We're talking about the military now. Okay. Theory alleges that the hikers were caught in the middle of an exercise where the mines detonate while still in the air. So I guess these parachute mines blow up like before they hit the ground, producing injuries similar to those seen on the hikers, heavy internal damage with low external trauma. Oh, and the that, group will, yeah. yeah, the group would have then been woken by loud explosions and froze while attempting to flee said explosions. That makes a lot of sense. This also aligns with the f- like flying orange orbs in the sky that people reported seeing that night. Interesting. Yeah. There's also... The and of course the military is going to like... Be like, no, no. Well, they're awesome. also going to like clean up like evidence of like, you know, testing like proprietary weapons and stuff like that, yeah. you know? So it makes sense why there wouldn't necessarily be like a bunch of like evidence of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder like maybe just those like when they blow up, don't leave like shrapnel around. Like maybe they just truly blow up and just leave like... An impact because, like, I guess the snow kind of covers anything up. Yeah, and, like, there's a bunch the of ground that would have messed There's a bunch of up. snow that people are investigating. It's like the 50s, or they're probably not like doing like a whole, like, you know, secure the perimeter thing yeah. and like, you know, looking through every but single then, thing. But then the only thing I have to say about that is the people that they kind of assume, I don't know if they assume or pretty much know, the people that had more like extensive injuries were ones that lived longer. So why did the people that were, like, healthier and didn't get, like, impacted by these, like, bombs, why did they die first? Hmm. That's a damn good question. Hmm. You know, got no answers there. Think on it. Right. So, radiological weapons from the military could also be to blame. Hmm. Since radioactivity was found on some of the clothing and some of the bodies were described as, like, an orange skin and gray hair, some speculate that the military was testing these weapons. The Soviet authorities suspiciously cover up anything kind of fueled by this theory. Um, but by the late 1980s, all the Dyatlov's files were released in some manner. So they don't really... They they might have been covering it up, but they did kind of release everything they found so far. Yeah. But they don't know. It also, like... like yeah, and I've kind of heard about, like, the nuclear sort of, like, testing thing. It... I kind of like the, the, you know, the sort of above-ground mind thing because, like... It makes sense to like. It makes sense to like um, literally just test those on a random mountain pass and they didn't know they were there and they yeah. killed them. You know, yeah. I. It's like it, and, and, and I'm assuming they're they're testing like you know radiation technology that didn't make some huge explosion that yeah. like eviscerated all of them. Yeah. Like why would you just like let's just like throw this sprinkle a little radiation yeah let's just throw this nuclear rock into that yeah. canyon and see what happens. I I, I just don't see no. the. And you know, like, the logic of that not experiment. every person had radiation on them. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. This just seems weird. So, a lot of people believe that the most kind of substantial theory is that of paradoxical undressing. So, hypothermia can induce paradoxical undressing, which is a response to perceived feelings of burning warmth when a hypothermic individual will remove their clothes. It's like when you get so cold that you feel hot and then yeah. you just start stripping down. Yeah. Um, some of the group added layers taken from the deceased, which suggests that they were in sound enough mind to stay warm. So maybe some of them did this where they started taking off clothes, but then some of them somehow like snapped out of it and started putting clothes on from the people that are already dead. That doesn't like, make, make, make any sense though, because like they were sitting in their tent cooking yeah, like, they seemed to be, they weren't, like, doing weird things. Like, they were eating, and they had a ton of supplies. Like, they weren't low on anything. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And, like, also, like, why the blunt force trauma wounds? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so the Dyatlov Pass was named in honor of Igor like, Dyatlov. Like, like the, the whole like no closing, that makes sense after whatever actually did did the harm happened. Yeah. Like yeah, like but what chased them out of their tent? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, something else. You know. Yeah. 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 You haven't mentioned like a Yeti one time. That's kind of weird. You know. Well, I, I just, you know, they were running. They were walking. <sighs> whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, we can talk. You might have, maybe you have another theory that I haven't talked about. But maybe so. I kind of searched for ones that were more. I didn't even mention aliens either, which apparently you no. know is an option. So the, yes, the Dyatlov Pass was named in honor of Igor Dyatlov, the leader of the trip. The mystery still lives in the minds of many folks today, including the families of the victims. Many hope improvement in forensic science will crack this case soon, but some have even petitioned the Russian government to reopen the case, but without much success. Because, you know, that government really isn't known for their transparency. Hmm. But they have been working on it because they did come out with things in 2020. So there, there are new findings, but still very unsatisfying. Hmm. Hmm. But that was all I had yeah. about the mystery of the Dialov Pass. Yeah. I don't know. It is funky. Yeah. The alien thing is interesting because, you know, they have, like, the sunburn and all that. And so a lot of documented UFO cases do, mm-hmm. or, you know, have, like... Follow the sunburn. Yeah, they, they, like, they'll, you know, record, like, sunburns and sort of, like, weird radiation poisoning without, like, you know, much of the reason for it, you know. Um, so that's interesting. But, like, I have a hard time... Oh, I don't know. I, I just don't feel like the this, this sunburn aspect of it, like, gives it too much credibility because it's happening in... I mean, their their bodies are getting thrown um, thrown around in the you know, in the snow, and yeah. I assume the bodies you know just sit there in the snow where you got all that sun. And, and that's uh, one of the things too that they never explicitly say it's sunburn. They say like their skin has like a weird orange tinge to it. Yeah, and like that kind of happens in like a mummification process. Mm. And sometimes like you see the like the bodies they pull out in like really cold like mummies. Like mm-hmm. they do have kind of like a weird orange tint. Yeah. So I I guess I don't know anything about you know, body preservation and cold. But I wonder if just maybe, like, sitting under the snow and, like, the extreme cold and, like, these conditions kind of could have just turned the skin a weird color. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I haven't, you know, I, I used to kind of like the infrastructure sort of concept, but I don't know. I never heard that, like, uh, you know, above, you know, uh, yeah, in, in midair mind sort of thing before. And I, I don't that know. That makes that, that makes about as much sense as anything to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like every theory presented so far has, like, at least one major flaw in it. Yeah. But that yeah. one does seem, I feel like, my my favorite for it. Yeah. But it's just one of those crazy things that haven't been solved yet. It's also has a 1950s event in, like... In, in like Russia. Yeah, in Soviet Russia in yeah. the 50s, way out of the way. It's, like, yeah. you gotta assume that there's just, like, critical, like aspects of information they're just like you know no one's ever going to get you know and, 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 Investigating not, and not even well no and, and, and not even like deal with holding it's just it happened in a weird out of the way place that like probably you know that like yeah it's not like they had the F, you know, they had like CSI yeah. Miami going in oh, there yeah. and like combing this you know the the, the scene for Finger, Every little fing- shred of evidence. Fingerprints and stuff like that. You just yeah. got to assume that you don't really have half the store and this is the way and it like, is. The fact that it's outside in the snow, I feel like makes this a hundred times harder because yeah. everything gets covered up. Yeah. Or like yeah. melted down all the time. But yeah. there's also apparently a case that happened in like Nevada that they call like the Dialov of like that area. No. So I want to look at that too. Well, but know. Coming soon, fun, I suppose. Yeah. Story. You're, you have a, a pose in your chair right now suggesting that you have we're about to enter a, a infamous segment of the show. Indeed we do. 
Oh. Indeed we do. You know, hmm. you, know, um, you know, we re- reached the holiday season and um, you know, we talk about radiation and you know the, tran- so. the you know transformations of the of, of the body and you know just you know m- 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 mentioned russians and uh, no 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 in fact you know all of this i think to any sort of you know common practical observer would uh, remind one um how long has it been since i saw gremlins Mm, maybe that's what we should watch tonight. I think that would be a really good one. So welcome to Forces Movie Corner. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Gremlins briefly, okay? Briefly. Bre- Gremlins. Should I get the timer? Nope, absolutely not. Okay. I will sl- I will just grab that phone and I will sling it into the next room. All right. You know? um, Sounds good. And by that I mean just you know keep it away. Um, <laughs> so all right, so Gremlins. Great Christmas movie. Um, I think I want to say it was directed by yeah, Joe Dante, written by uh, it was written by Christopher Columbus, um, and I want to say we Steven Spielberg was like a p- producer on it. Um, stop it. Um, and you know, okay, so this movie was, is just awesome. It's like you know, if you're kind of one of those fans of kind of that that classic '90s era movie um, where people are enjoying things like you know, Back to the Future and Terminator. People forget that Gremlins was like right there in terms of just the. I feel like out of all the movies we've talked about, this is probably the most popular one you've brought up. And well, exactly. That's why we're only talking about Gremlins briefly. Oh, all right, okay. it occurs during Christmas time. It's got you know, uh, you know, you start off with the, you know the, the 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 lovely fluffy Mogwai, and they, you know, you know, don't feed them after midnight, really and that they were and they, yeah, that's a you know another common '90s misconception. Um, but anyway, that movie's pretty decent, you know? It's a great movie to put on on the holidays. Of course. But Uh-oh. if you really want a good time, you right. skip that and you go to Gremlins 2, the new batch. Have you, seen, have you, even, have, have you, have you seen uh, Gremlins 2? I don't remember the last time I watched Gremlins 1. Gremlins 2 is one of the most potent doses of 80s you're going you're gonna to receive All in right. your fucking life. All right, Gremlins 2, utterly fantastic. Okay, it's got like a... Uh, you know, we start off and it's kind of a, you know, a char- character or two from the first one. And the guy's working, um, the guy's like a, I don't know, coffee boy in like basically just your quintessential publisher or whatever. But basically like, you know, big business, you know, big tall He's building poor, like, in abused, New York. Like unpaid intern. Oh yeah. And this thing just screams 80. Like, you know, it's in this office. It's in this like crazy, like futuristic, but also like not, you know, oh, office yeah. building where it's like it all these. like mothballs and like steel cigarettes. Well, exactly, yeah, but all this, like, weird brutalist architecture, like, all this, like, weird, like, technology that it, it makes you think of, like, I don't know, it just, it just screams, like, late 80s, early 90s, like, you know, Got the setting. LCD in. screens, but anyway, so this company, they get a hold of, um, Gremlins, or they're, ex- no, like, the guy brings in the Mogwai, because it's, you know, that's his little pet, you Where know. Where they find these things? The Mogwai? Yes. And it's actually, a, uh, it's an ancient Chinese, uh, you know, secret. Well, where do they come from? Does someone ship them? Did they just appear one day? Like well, there's an, an old Amazon wise. Box? Well, there's an old wise man in New York who that has them. The, the, you know, the, 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 that has the mogwai. You know, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. He has the mogwai. The mogwai. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm just using his pronunciation. Anyway, so Gremlins two. Um, it is just like it is just so many excellent jokes. It's like as these as this whole army of gremlins like like you know bubbles up and kind of takes over this whole office. It's just scene after scene of just like. Everything from like horror to like weird office comedy, and um, so we're gonna have to watch both. There's movies. a you know there's a there's a there's your classic like sort of like cigar smoking boss gremlin. 
This one has a sexy gremlin, which uh, honestly, oh, gremlin. The, the first gremlin was, you know, kind of horribly lacking in a sexy voiced gremlin. voiced by like Howie Mandel. Uh, I think he was one. Yeah, that, that rings a bell. Um, but anyway, um, of course you know about Gremlins one, but you know, anytime I'm talking Gremlins one, you <laughs> talk gotta talk two. about Gremlins two, the new batch. And I is it one of those rare movies where the the sequel is better than the the first movie, like Chronicles of Narnia, the Prince of Caspian, or whatever that movie's called? I don't know if it's better, but it is. A, it's it's one of those oh, ones. It's one of those. It's one of those movies where you just you just think like there's no way a sequel of this like could be like good like twilight you know um and it's like one of those movies on like twilight where like the sequel is actually like pretty good and kind of really holds up with like the first one so you know i ignore everything you said about twilight because i think that you know they get they get good tell you what if i'm bet- if, if, if i'm betting on the gremlins especially the cocaine snorting gremlins of uh gremlins 2 the new batch versus those you know sparkly teenage you know sulking freaks i'm taking them taking the gremlins you know all right that's all i got you know Go watch. Uh, I think that's a great Christmas tradition. Is just to marathon. The only way to is to rip their head off and burn them. How do you kill a gremlin? Punt it like a soccer ball. Gremlins remove plenty of heads, and they burn plenty of shit in these movies. You know. Anyway, I think that's a great Christmas move. And then I'll Christmas come back move, with my uh, formal. That's a great Christmas event. Is to watch Gremlins well, one, which is a we'll Christmas right movie, and then jump right into Gremlins two, the new match. All right. Yep. That's all I got for you. All right. Yeah. Well, that was wonderful. No problem. And I think that this is actually maybe maybe. The first Forest Movie Corner where we go in and just watch it immediately after. Maybe next episode I'll come back with my review. I like that very much. Yeah. All right. Well, that was all we have for today. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Tune well. in, you know, next time for the conclusion of our non-denominational holiday special. Three parts. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.